Kick it off hour number two here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Got to say, Sam, uh, bad job by you coming up with your list. Some tweeters pointed it out. One tweeter wrote in, uh, David Shaw, of course. Mm. Yeah. Who, ironically enough, or uh, he said ironically. I don't know if I'm going to give it ironic. Don't, I don't think this is irony. But just says, follow Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, of course. So, I mean, Harbaugh's done this twice. And it worked out pretty good for David Shaw, too. No no playoff, no national championship, of course. And then, yeah, a handful of people pointing out Bob uh, Fulmer. They yes. would say Fulmer. Similar thing. Ryan Day. Marcus Freeman. Ryan Day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some guys. There's some guys. What are you doing, Dabo? Dabo wasn't a coordinator, I don't think, but... Maybe he was by the time he took over. I know he was a wide receivers coach for a while, but good job by the audience. Bad job by you, Sam. I got one. Yeah. Who, Kirby? Or whatever the hell you said. I got Lincoln Riley. Whatever the hell you said was Scott Frost. I I said Lincoln Riley. You did get Lincoln Riley, but then you also said Scott Frost, which I still haven't figured out. But Dabo, Day, so (laughs) national. Scott Frost one, I I will say I Forgot that we were doing school to school. I yeah, I was going from like you're just you know, a coordinator. UCF I don't know. I don't know what Nebraska. the hell you were doing. So Dabo <laughs> national champion, Ryan Day playoff, Marcus Freeman book still out on him. Yeah, I'm not gonna say that one. Yeah, no book still out on him. But so it seems like it works out more than it doesn't. No one's pointed out any losers. Well, honestly, maybe Ryan Day is is a little bit too close to tell. Also, in terms of being a loser. I think he's kind of a loser. No, I, I think he's a loser, too. I, I do think he's a loser, too, but he at least has made a playoff. Yeah, yeah. If you're Michigan, do you sign up for Ryan, for Ryan Day? Yeah. Like, if, if you're telling me Sharon Moore keeps that rolling at least to Ryan Day's level, do you take that? Maybe. I would assume so. I mean, I know we think Ryan Day's a loser, but they still been in the top ten every year. They still only lose one game a year just to Michigan. I've got another one. It's old, though. It's old? Yeah, but... Are we going to know the names? You will. I don't think Sam will. Okay. Um, Bob Toledo at UCLA. No. Took over for Terry Donahue. No. You give me too much credit. I don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking about. He was pretty successful there for a little bit, too. Okay. That was back when I was living in L.A. That's the only reason I remember that. Okay. Would that have been, like, during the Troy Aikman days? Or? Yes. Okay. Or post-Troy Aikman. Okay. Yeah, okay. post-Troy Aikman. So, yeah, it does seem like these big schools that have actually done it have had success with it. So maybe maybe more will be a beast in Michigan. Who knows? All right, Sam, let's redeem yourself because you were really, really bad at coming up with a list of people <laughs> I asked you for. Let's redeem yourself with some things we might have missed last night. And if that doesn't work out, you're sticking with just traffic. Yeah, yeah. You've been doing we'll good at traffic. Good job by you on traffic. I haven't, I haven't messed up traffic. Uh, yeah, in the uh, news of sports last night, the Utah Jazz ownership group The Smith Entertainment Group has requested the NHL to initiate an expansion process uh, that would bring a team to Utah. Uh, This is a a hockey team in Utah? A hockey team in Utah. I mean, it does make sense. Right. I mean, yeah, they should have one already. It does seem like Utah should have a hockey team. It seems like they would embrace them. The Jazz, I mean, I don't know where they rank in terms of attendance, but whenever I watch Jazz games... It always seems kind of full. It seems like they really embrace the team and want to be a professional town and all those things. And it's cold in Utah. You can convince me that people grow up playing hockey and skating there, like getting out on the ice. So, yeah, okay. I like this. Yeah, they're saying that. And the, the people who are, you know, this ownership group is saying that as well. They said, uh, we've been impressed by Ryan and Ashley Smith's commitment to their community and their passion and vision for Utah. Uh, not only as a hockey market, but a preeminent sports and entertainment destination. It's a promising market, and we look forward to continuing our discussion. So it seems like the NHL is interested in it, and obviously Utah is as well. I think it'll be great. Now, my question to you, and maybe you don't know, or maybe they haven't said, but would they just add one team? Because right now they have even teams, right? I I believe so, yeah. They had Vegas for a little bit, and then Seattle came. So maybe this would be a similar situation where they have, uh, you know, this team come in Utah, and then a couple years later find another one? Yeah, it seemed like they weren't – I mean, you know, with Seattle, it seems like they weren't too 
you know, too busy to try to go get a, another team to like even out the numbers or whatever. So I don't know. Maybe they maybe they're going to get another expansion team here in the next couple of years. But that seems like quite the process. I mean, to me, it feels like if you're bringing a team in, you should bring in two. Yeah, I, I would. I would think the same thing. Wait, what the hell is the NFL doing? I mean, I, I kind of remember, but not really. Were they at 31 teams until the Texans? Bob, do you remember? Yeah, they had an odd number. You're right. For a while? They did. for Well, for a few years, for sure. Like after the Panthers? Because the Panthers would have been the last expansion team before then, right? Panthers and Jaguars came in at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, no. You know what? I wonder if it... Now, maybe it was 30 because, remember, for a, little, for a while, Cleveland didn't have a team. Oh, uh, okay. Right, once they moved to Baltimore. So I think that's what... That's what happened. Okay. Um, so they brought Cleveland back around, what, like 99? Is yeah, that right? Yeah, that sounds right. Is it, the Jaguars were around before then. Yeah. Because the Panthers came in, like, what, 95, 96? Yeah, they, again, they came in at the same time. So so to your point, then, yes, there probably was an odd number uh, leading up to Cleveland. Oh, Ravens came in. in 96. Okay, right. Panthers, Jaguars, 93. So that was the first time they had expanded since 74. Yeah. Okay. Odd number of expansion teams just seems seems like a logistical nightmare. It does seem like kind of hockeyish, though. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Ho- hockey can't grow as quickly as the other sports. So like, hey, we'll take our time. We'll yeah. do one team. Like when the NBA expands, and they're going to expand within the next five years, I would say to Vegas and Seattle. Mm-hmm. If I was guessing, that, that seems to be the reports coming. You know, from from insiders there, like you know, we'll do two and yeah, sixteen and sixteen. I'm not surprised though, as far as. Uh, <laughs> The pursuit of a, an expansion team in Utah. This uh, this owner uh, of the Jazz, Ryan Smith, who is leading the ownership team that's trying to pursue the hockey team. Uh, he's uh, he is absolutely an aggressive dude. He's a billionaire that just took over the ownership of the Jazz recently, and um, yeah, definitely, definitely someone who is on the move. So I I have no doubt that they're going to be very intentional about trying to get a franchise there and it makes sense honestly i mean that's that is kind of a i i do think i I didn't think of it till it came up but like john said a few minutes ago when you think about nhl hockey utah i think snow um i think uh it it just i think those fans would support it i i don't doubt it at all well yeah plus it's going to be in a market that doesn't have too much going Mm -hmm. on correct like they can support that team kind of wholeheartedly Kind of like how Portland does with the Trailblazers. That's kind of all they got up there. True. I know they eventually added the Timbers and MLS, but they support that team too. Because wasn't there some buzz for a MLB team going out to Utah for a little bit? Oh, I don't know about that. I think there was some Salt Lake buzz for a, really? for an MLB team. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know about that. Uh, NFL news: The Miami Dolphins and their defensive coordinator Vic Fangio have mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, Vic Fangio, obviously a, a legendary defensive mind, uh, came over and, and was working with Mike McDaniel. Uh, the The rumor has it that apparently uh, the Eagles are, are going to be you know pretty involved here with with Fangio. That one's a little a little scary to me. Getting Vic Fangio up in up in Philly in that defense uh, seems like they could just go right back to having a nasty defense. Yeah, it seems like a get-out-of-jail-free card for mm-hmm. the Eagles who are kind of scrambling trying to yeah. fix that defense and fix you know Sirianni's tenure, and they got to find them uh, an offensive coordinator now. I did see a headline where he admits, like, yeah, the offense got a little stale at times last year, and I'm like, yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, the offense was very stale. But Fangio I thought was awesome in Miami, but apparently McDaniel and the Dolphins are allowing him to move closer to home. I guess he's from that area or okay. has family in that area or whatever. Like, it seems a little surprising. Maybe maybe Fangio's like, hey, uh, I'm going to do the Bobby Petrino thing and I'm going to go be a coordinator for a coach that might get fired halfway through the year. Maybe I get to take over. I don't know. But he's from Dunmore, Pennsylvania. I don't know where that's at in relation to Philadelphia. But he's a Pennsylvania guy and he consulted with them in 2022. Okay. You're right about the Miami defense, though. I, I I thought they were pretty strong until everybody just started getting hurt, murdered. Yeah, the, it was. There yeah, was, the injuries kind of just you know completely derailed that team. Exactly. In general. Exactly. I mean, he's he's thought of as a top level coordinator. Oh he's yeah, a, he's oh, a yeah. top five guy in terms of just defense. So, you know, like head coach wasn't great. You know, in in Denver was very bad as a head coach, but as a defensive coordinator, he's coached some really good defenses. Yeah. 
That 49ers defense with Harbaugh going back to that from 11 to 14. Uh, and then with the Bears from 15 to 18 when they were good. And then, yeah, they got the Broncos job. That didn't go well. But the defense is always good. Yeah, every defense he's touched, I feel like he's turned to gold besides, yeah, like you're saying, that, that head coaching job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rounding it out here, uh, you know, we talked about it yesterday, the Bucks firing Adrian Griffin, uh, and they do go ahead and, and hire Doc Rivers. Uh, an interesting one, I think. It's going to be, uh, you know, very interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out with the Bucks being in second place. Obviously, the a strong thirty and thirteen record, and and obviously Doc Rivers' shortcomings, I think, is uh, you know, a nice way to say it for his career in the in the postseason. So we'll see how far this Bucks team can get. Did you see any of the video on social media of the Bucks in their yes. uh, warm up line? He seemed very happy that he <laughs> oh was gone. Oh my god, it was like it was like a tribal dance yeah. or something, man. It was unbelievable. Are you allowed to do that? I don't Is know. Is that not yeah. in poor taste to dance like literally dance on someone's grave? Yeah. Like you won the power struggle players, like you got the coach you didn't want fired. Are you allowed to literally dance on his grave? Guess so. I assume they won last night. They, they did. They yeah. did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Triple double for Giannis. So, well, I, I'm not. You know, Giannis. I think can get blamed for being a coach killer here, and you know it happens. It's kind of a a rite of passage for every NBA star. At some point, you get a coach fired. You look at LeBron, and yeah. you know he got David Blatt fired with even a better record than yeah. than Griffin had. Kevin Durant got Steve Nash fired. Magic Johnson got his coach fired. Uh, I, I don't know if Jordan got credit for getting Doug Collins fired or not, but they've got they fired Doug Collins and went to to Phil Jackson. I don't know what the narrative was there back in the you know the the early nineties, but it's a rite of passage. So Giannis now got his coach fired, pulled a power move and and won out, and then literally danced on his grave. But I will say Giannis. He, it wasn't like he was dogging it this season. Like he, he's almost been too competitive in, in Milwaukee in their games. Like he's he's almost wanted to win too much in the regular season. Where you're kind of like, calm down a little bit, bros. Wait to the playoffs. At least wait to the All Star break. <laughs> right. So him, him dancing and that. Like I, it wasn't like he was mailing it in, but he uh, won the power struggle. Also, Sam, a little bit of breaking news along those same lines. Uh, not that it really matters, but Washington, the Washington Wizards have officially fired their head coach, Wes okay. <laughs> Un- Unseld Jr. He is officially out and will move to a front office role. And they're, you know, as they kind of, uh, I guess, put him out of his misery, for lack of a better term. Like, I, I, I have no idea what that franchise is doing. They they rebuild and rebuild and rebuild, and it's it's always the same result. He was 77 and 130 in his two plus seasons with the Wizards. But, like, to me, I mean, to me, that's on par for, like, what they are. They, for maybe my money, they've got to be a bottom, a bottom three franchise since I've, like, been keeping up with sports. I mean, basically, since the year 2000, they feel like a bottom three franchise. Now, I'm excluding hockey, Sam, so if there are any train wrecks in hockey, don't come at me. And, well, actually, the <laughs> the Atlanta Thrashers actually just quit. They, they died, John. They, they, I honestly I don't know I how they think are the Wizards are probably way worse than any NHL teams do. Yeah, right like now. the Wizards have been bad. Bad and embarrassing. Like, the one time they did have any type of success, their franchise player brought pistols into the locker room to <laughs> protect himself from another player that wanted to kill him. Yeah, I, when you think of that, as far as like worst franchises ever, or at least worst franchises in the current, you know, era, they're there for sure at the bottom three. There might be another NBA team. I mean, Detroit is is on a heater as far as being bad right now. Yeah, at least they won a championship though. Like uh, Washington has too, but it's been a long. Well, no, no, I, I meant in the last yeah, like twenty years. I mean, I know Washington, you know, the Bullets back in what the seventies, like seventy six or so, I yeah, think around that yeah. year. But I'm talking about like the not even the bad boys Pistons, but like Chauncey Billups and, and Rip, Rip Hamilton. Like they beat the Lakers in a finals during my lifetime, so that that seemed kind of cool. And they made another finals. Was it the very next year? I guess against the Spurs. I believe they played in 05 against the Spurs the very next year. So like they had some success, but yeah, they're on a bad streak. I mean, they are currently as bad as any any franchise over the last you know maybe like six years. If you just make it the six years, the Pistons are near the bottom. 
But at least I've seen them have success. I'm scrolling through Washington's record by year. And I feel like this is very hard, but like they haven't had one 50 win season since 1980. Not even won 50 games once. They, they, um, their big success was just a couple years ago. I think they made a play in game. For the playoffs, and yeah. that and that was it. I mean, they, that's like I believe they actually won that playing game, Bob, because Westbrook had like a triple double, and that was when Westbrook got on a tear the last last like month and a half of the season, yes. and they they made they made the playoffs and then got smacked by the Sixers, I believe, in the in the actual uh, rounds whenever they get to the playoffs. They, it was Indiana they beat in the playing game, yeah. Actually, so yeah, they that but that's that's what it's come to. That's like a. You know, resounding success for that franchise at this point. Yeah, but in that season that they made the playoffs, they were still thirty-four and thirty-eight. Yeah, they were still thirty-four and thirty-eight. I'm actually interested uh, if you can find more bigger train wrecks. I, I want to talk about the biggest train wrecks in sports because the Wizards they belong at the table, and and sadly enough, Bob, or a VFL was at the the helm for a lot of that, like. A guy that they oh. used to really hate was Ernie Grunfeld Ernie. because he yes. was he was such a bad executive there. It was a vol kind of holding them down, but at least now he is he is gone and can't get the blame anymore. It's very true. Bob, let's go to break. <laughs> Sam sent us to break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Still slow go traffic out here on 40 eastbound. Trying to get past Lovell Road between Campbell Station and Lovell Road. It's been slow for a while as traffic increases on Broadway through Fountain City. Uh, traffic's on the increase also down through Jefferson County, Sevier County. Dense fog all over East Tennessee this morning. Please be careful. Hey, turn your gold and silver coins into cash today at Fountain City Jewelers. They're right there next to Litton's Fountain City Jewelers. They are your Valentine's Day headquarters. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a... Heat will rock you. The heat will roll you. Baby, don't you know? My heat will move your soul. It's going to be warm today. Feel the heat. That's what I was saying. John, were you a fan of uh, the movie Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights is a classic. It is one of my favorites of all time, and that scene is uh, that's gold. <laughs> got to be honest, I've only watched it one time, though. I need to go back and rewatch oh. it. I, I've only watched it once, maybe five years ago, ten years, seven years ago, somewhere in there, but I need, I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I've seen it uh, for sure three or four times. Maybe, uh, you know, it's one of those movies if you're, you know, surfing around on your TV and it shows up on one of the premium channels, I'll stop. Um, so good. It's so good. And, and that that song, notwithstanding, the, the soundtrack to it's fantastic, too. I mean, they just do an amazing job of uh, setting that era with music. But, uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to celebrate that it's warming up. And so I was like, feel the heat and, and hear some really, really bad singing, too. And that's not even the worst performance in that movie. There's another one where Mark Wahlberg's doing a song called You Got the Touch. <laughs> and it's, it is awful. It's awful. It's you know he's a he's an adult film star that's decided he wants to become a musician, a <laughs> musical artist, and uh, doesn't doesn't go well. Sam, uh, make a note of that because we'll play it on the first like ninety degree summer day, and I, I wonder okay. if Bob talks about it the same glow as he is now that the no. snow's melting. Whenever it's ninety five degrees and the and it's heating up, but not, not at all. Let's get to a couple of uh, tweets and listener feedback. Uh, good job by you, Sam, for also for getting Coach O at LSU. Good job by you, also a national champion who took over and kind of uh, got the interim tag slash succession taken off of him and allowed. I don't know if that's the same thing because I don't think he was a coordinator as much as like, just kind of an interim coach who won the team over. Yeah. But we'll allow it. We'll allow it since the listeners sent it in. Uh, another tweeter writes in saying that MJ loved Collins. He did not get him fired. That was all Jerry Krause. Which we didn't have a chance to talk about it, uh, Bob. But did you see the video that came out of Chicago last two Sundays ago, or two? I mean, it was two Saturdays ago, where Jerry Krause's widow, his his wife, was brought to Chicago to uh, you know honor honor him as they like you did some type of 
you know, legends of Chicago. And when Jerry Krause's name came up, they the crowd booed. And they're showing his widow, who at this point is, was, you know, 70-ish and in a wheelchair and listening to her late husband get booed. And she's got tears in her eyes as, like, she feels like they're booing her as well. That was one of the worst moments of the of the year. I mean, I know the year's young, but that that's gonna be hard to beat moving forward. No, nah, it was it was it was pretty horrible. I, I did see it, and um, you know, Kraus was obviously hated by a lot of people, but the, the, just totally unnecessary. I think the Chicago Bulls deserve a, a spot on the list of biggest train wrecks. Now, I mean, of the last twenty years, yeah. If, I, if I'm making it the last twenty years, <clears throat> we we don't get to talk about the championships. Of the 90s. That, that's gone. Since the championship, since Jordan retired, they have been a bottom bottom five franchise, in my opinion, in terms of success and, and stability. Yeah, you know, we did a little uh, homework in the break when we were talking about let's, you know, let's uh, locate what we think could be some of the worst professional franchises the great irony is top of the list that I've seen for a few, and it does make sense if you dis- if you just take out part of last season and this season is the Detroit Lions. Yep, yep. The Lions, yeah. the Lions have kind of saved themselves because if we asked this question two years ago, there are two franchises that jumped to the top of the list, and that would be the Sacramento Kings, who hadn't you know made a playoff in, in twenty years. I believe the last one the time they made the playoffs was like two thousand three. Prior to last year, and the Detroit Lions, and then the game probably ends. But at least now, both of those franchises seem to be on the upswing. But they they deserve a seat at the table. Um, couple more tweets: True or false, Bob? Were you tiptoeing around saying that Utah has a lot of white people? Whenever we're talking about them having being perfect for a hockey team, somebody tweeted that. Someone someone messaged me that one saying uh, yep. Bob sounded like he was tiptoeing, saying there were a lot of white people in Utah. <laughs> Never thought of that. Okay, so false. We'll say false, but it does make them perfect for a hockey team, though. It does make them perfect for a hockey team. That's a that's a that's a that's a fair question, I must say. Uh, another tweeter writes in saying you can't have a train wrecks and sport list without starting with the Oakland A's. Yeah. Now that, that yeah. to me, that's a little bit of recency bias, though. I agree. Over the last twenty years, Oakland made the playoffs a lot of times, now, like, but they never won a series, though. They never actually like broke through and won anything, but. They had a sports movie made about their successes, although how long ago was that Moneyball team? That would have been around 2002, 2003, though, right? So that would fall out of the 20-year yeah, range we're talking about. They've actually had – this is a tough one because I saw that as well, and I, I would say, again, current day, it is a mess. Um, however, you go back way back to the 70s, they were a dominant franchise, um, but they had bad ownership back then with Charlie Finley – They've they've been a very they've been a bit of a saga. Been very very successful, then horrible, then a little bit of success again, then horrible. But they are in a very they're in a rock bottom state right now. Um, I know they're moving to Vegas and they're talking about all that, but um, it's 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 sad to see because as a baseball fan, that's a franchise I've actually had a level of uh, admiration for just because they have figured out ways like the Moneyball era and others of how to how to compete. Well, yes and no. The Moneyball era, you know, did get romanticized, but at the same time, it, it got romanticized only because their owner was so cheap, right? Like the Moneyball era had to exist because their ownership was so yeah. bad. And like maybe times are different, maybe times are different now than they were twenty years ago. But there is no excuse, in my opinion, to be a cheap professional sports owner at this point. Like there is so much money involved in like the high level professional sports. That like if you can't afford to run a team, you shouldn't have it. Well, it's, I, it should be gone. You should sell it, make a bunch of money, enjoy your your billions of dollars, and let someone else that has the money and has the funds and wants to see at the table to actually compete for championships. Let them have a crack at it. Well, let me counter to that when we talk about baseball because I don't think there's it, it, there's no salary cap. Sure, you know, and so well, yeah, that's that's the challenge. It's so for some of these teams, and it's it's no coincidence that it's smaller market teams and I, I would fit Oakland into that category too but Kansas City and they won a world title not that long ago but every other year surrounding that it's been a disaster Pittsburgh really rich traditional franchise that hasn't won anything in a long time and it's they they can't compete with um 
the Yankees, the Dodgers, who I'm a Dodgers fan. I grew up a Dodgers fan, and so it's great. But oh, it, how convenient. Yeah. Uh, well, because I hated the Reds where I grew up. You And the Reds and Dodgers were in the same division back then. Um, so, but, but see what you're telling me, it, it kind of – when you're when you're talking about it, it almost proves my point in my head. Maybe that's me being a little bit of a narcissist, but you telling me that there's no salary cap in baseball, to me makes me think, yeah, like let as many owners with deep pockets who will spend the money. Like if you're the Reds, you know, for example, that's kind of the team I follow. I don't really, I gave up on baseball because of the way the ownership transitioned out of their era, you know, in 11, 12, 13, 14, and kind of sold all their team and just gutted it and went cheap. Like they kind of soured me enough to quit the team. You know, if I lived in Cincinnati, maybe I would have stuck, but I was like, I'm four hours away. I don't really care. It was easy to kind of cut them out. But they've been, you know, historically cheap over the last handful of years, much like Pittsburgh. And I don't know if it's the owners not having the money or just not wanting to spend the money, but there are enough hedge fund billionaires these days. You see it every time an NBA team goes up for sale. They they fetch three, four, five billion dollars. There's enough money that if you don't want to run the franchise and you're looking at it as like, hey, we got to cut cost here and you know save money, save a nickel here and and cut corners. To me, you shouldn't have the team. Like I, you can't convince me that you can't find somebody that would buy the Pittsburgh Pirates that would all of a sudden invest more money in them and actually try to give them a payroll to be competitive. Now, will they be able to catch the Dodgers who have billion-dollar TV deals that can kind of fund the whole Shohei Atani deal just from their, their market, you know, with Valley Sports or whatever does it out there? No. But they could spend more than, like, the $60 million their entire payroll is. I have a question for you. How do you think these billionaires make money? How do I think they make money? I mean, I don't know. I, if I knew, maybe I would try to make some myself. But, like... To me, I've seen enough of the new age owners be tech billionaires and be wealthy like independently. Yeah, smart business decisions is my point. And so what I think happens in baseball is the reason you aren't seeing some of these billionaires get involved is they're not going to make money. They're, sure. They're, they're not. As a matter of fact, they're going to bleed money in these smaller market teams because of the structure in Major League Baseball. So that's why I believe that's – yeah. I totally agree with you. In the NBA, NFL, those are leagues that print money for most of their franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, I that that to me is uh, that's that's a given. But in Major League Baseball, there's there's still that disparity that is that is signif- more than significant between the haves and the have-nots. And if I'm an owner or a potential owner or a billionaire that might want to be an owner. I'm going to look at that and be like, yeah, man, I, I, I've always had a dream to own something, but I don't want to just lose money hand over fist every single year. I understand that, but, like, I don't know, maybe I just keep going back, and maybe there, maybe there are, uh, you know, a couple of anomalies, but, like, Mark Cuban was willing to spend money in Dallas, but, like, look at Steve Ballmer, who's, like, super, super rich, but he's like, my whole goal now is win a championship. I'm going to build a new stadium or new arena in LA. I'm going to rebrand. I'm going to give them everything I can give them because my life goal now is to win a championship because Bob, in my opinion, you know, I've said this on the last, you know, for the last year or so on the radio, but you know, I think it's to me almost an indisputable fact. Owning a professional sports team is the, like the most elite rich club in America these days. Like that, that's the way you can flex is to, be super rich, yachts, ah, whatever, mansions, ah, whatever. There's such a finite number of franchises that owning one of them is almost the biggest flex you can have among the uber wealthy. So I just think there are people that maybe aren't getting into it to make money as much as you know some just want to get into maybe win a championship. But also at the same same time, the way the franchise, I mean, every every val- every every franchise is raising in value, right? In terms of you know, profitability, maybe not, you know, the day-to-day, year-to-year stuff, but, like, just the terms of your asset. You know, you look at, like, the the Hornets. Michael Jordan bought them for, like, $200 million. And, like, you know, they just sold. They've been terrible. Like, they sold for like a billion dollars. I mean, it was a, you know, five-time increase. So I feel like if you own the team, even if you might lose money year-to-year, like, you can make your franchise become more valuable, which makes you money back on the back end. Like, the Warriors were able to do that, right, in terms of spend luxury tax, do all this stuff and go from an afterthought franchise to one of the most valuable franchises in the world. Same as the Patriots. Now I know salary caps a little bit different, but like the Patriots went from kind of a joke in the nineties and eighties to then, you know, the, the premier franchise. And every time you see most valuable franchises in America, you'll see the, the Patriots in the top five now because of the championship pedigree and stuff. So I do think you could sacrifice losing some money year to year to kind of raise your, Maybe raise your total asset value. I don't know. 
I think a salary floor is more realistic than a salary cap in baseball. Yeah, yeah, saying like, hey, if you're going to own a team, you got to spend at least $100 million, mm-hmm. which some teams don't even get to. But, like, you can't tell me that there's not a billionaire somewhere that would buy the Tampa Bay Rays who have you know shown that they are a first-class organization. Like, they do what the A's did but actually win playoff games and actually went to a World Series and actually seem to know like how to consistently build a contender. The Rays have been really good the last 15 years, basically. But, like, you look at their stadium, it's a dump. You look at the way they try to, you know, they, they spend a little bit of money. You know, they signed, their, was it Franco, their, their shortstop? They gave him, you know, that $100 million deal or whatever until he, you know, got in trouble or whatever. But you can't convince me there's not somebody that would come in and kind of at least give a shot in the arm money-wise. Mm-hmm. Now, can they catch the Yankees and Dodgers? No. I don't know. But yeah. the A's, like, I mean, again, there could be better ownership there that makes them at least have a fighting chance, in my opinion. I also just think baseball's so unique because it's just I don't, there's so many different ways to win in baseball. You know, sure. I mean, obviously you've seen it with Moneyball that a team that's in the bottom of the league in terms of spending can go and compete with the with the best. But yeah, I mean, I do feel like the disparity in terms of like payment of players has gotten. Kind and of I'm crazy. not even really that worried about salary. I mean, it is offensive that Bob's Dodgers and he wants to keep the little man down. So of course he's like, hey, focus on focus on your payroll. Other teams allow the Dodgers to spend a billion dollars in free agency, and and you guys just stay there eating crumbs. It's fine. But I'm not even talking about salary because you're right, Sam. If you can draft well and you can develop well and you develop a farm system, yeah, you don't have to spend money. But like, I'm just really talking about like facilities. Yeah. Like, it's embarrassing to me that the Oakland A's and Tampa Bay Rays are able to be one of the 92 sports teams that matter. They had, like, possums living, right. in, the, living in the media, you know, like where the broadcast booth is in, in Oakland. It, it, it's, it's terrible for the community or whatever that, you know, the A's are moving to Vegas. But, like, it was also embarrassing that the stadium they were playing in was a damn, you know. Football stadium. Yeah, like, it was <laughs> terrible. It was terrible. A great example, though, of, again, what we're talking about with baseball is uh, take the Reds, team you said you used to follow. They were, they had a moment in time this past season where they were competitive. Sure. And they were winning, and they were actually in the mix. And I think some of this is, this is a whole different topic, but I, I'm going to point to it for just a second, and that is I think the baseball season's too long. And what I mean by that is it, you, fans lose interest but also teams like that who have that moment in time where they can get hot and be relevant, it's, you just look at it and it's like, man, that's not, gonna, that's not sustainable for them. And it, and, it, and it isn't. That's the problem. To me, baseball, it straddles the line and can't decide what it wants to be. So, like, if you want to do 162 games and then have a four-team playoff because you're like, hey, we want 162 games to provide the best, the largest sample of who our best teams are – and then we'll let these teams play, and we'll let them duke it out. And we'll we'll be the sport that crowns our actual absolute best team champion. That's fine. But now they're like 162 games, but also six playoff teams, and also we're going to keep a three game series for the first round and a five game series for the second round. And they're still going to be we're still going to try to create that parity that the NFL has. It, it's stupid. Like it has to, you have to shorten the season if you want parity. That's fine. Yeah. And back to the Dodgers for a second. What I've got to say is, even for me being a Dodgers fan, I was uncomfortable this season after seeing them oh, yeah. sign Otani. No, yeah. I really was. Like, good Lord, man, when does it stop? Because it's the very thing I've hated the Yankees for well, I was going to say, you're the Yankees. Yeah, yeah, that's what the they The Yankees don't even spin that way anymore. No, they've out-Yankeed the Yankees. Um, and, it's, and, and, and then they don't really win with it. They've won one World Series in the midst of all this, and that was in the COVID, you know, shortened COVID season. Yeah, it doesn't count, actually. It was an season it counts but i don't know when you look at all the other times the dodgers choked in non-covid seasons i don't know (laughs) if i can count that one but either way whatever we'll count it if you need it you spend 10 billion dollars on a team hopefully you can win at least one championship i would say but you know yeah the a's have been a train wreck just in the sense of running an organization and and they kind of mirror the biggest problem in sports the most helpless feeling in sports is just having a bad owner there, there can't be a worse – like, whenever we're talking a train wreck list of franchises, they're almost always going to have a common denominator of bad owner. It's impossible to be th- thought of as a good owner and just be a train wreck franchise. I know you didn't want the hockey reference, John. But no, like, if you got one, the I'll The Coyotes are terrible. Okay, I don't know They play about, in a college yeah. arena. Like, they're they – yeah. they, they talk about, like, dysfunction in terms of ownership and all that. Like, they're – And they're in all Arizona, the right? They're in Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, to me, that doesn't scream hockey anyways. 
So instead of like getting a see, instead of getting a new franchise, just move that team. Yeah, just relocate. Because I mean, I do think for as bad as it is that this owner is going to get rewarded by going to Vegas and you know turning the A's into something, and you know, same way Mark Davis left Oakland and gets to turn the Raiders into a uh, an appealing franchise in Vegas, it's better overall for the sport. I hate that those owners are going to make more money now and be thought of as as good owners. Kind of the same way Stan, Stan Kroenke was able to move out of St. Louis and leave that franchise and leave that city and go to L.A. and win a Super Bowl, but still it makes the league overall feel better and the facilities and everything. It looks more appealing. That's a bad franchise, by the way. The Cardinals, not the baseball Cardinals, the football Cardinals. Yeah. They've really never done much winning at all. And they're the oldest franchise, oldest franchise in the NFL. ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, bounce. The Bears and Packers are older, but I guess the Cardinals were in the NFL first, I think is what happens. I think the Packers and Bears were established in 19, and the, and the Cardinals were established in 20, but were in the NFL from day one. And have, I mean, had a little bit of a taste of success. I mean, went to the Super Bowl in our lifetime. It was a really good Super Bowl. Yeah, oh, that's right. Great the Super Kurt Bowl. Warner year. Yeah. That's true. It was a really good Super Bowl. But, like, that year they were 9-7, and seven, so it wasn't like they were no. a, a dominant team. Got to mention the Browns, who kind of fit the same path that we talked about with the Kings and the, the Lions of really bad, but a little bit of recent success changes the way you think about them. Bengals. Bengals were a wreck till a couple years ago. The Bengals were really good in the 80s, right? Correct. And then really, really bad in the 90s? Yes. And then, yeah, of course, now I've kind of fixed things until, you know, Brian Callahan left. Now, you know, now that Brian Callahan's gone from the <laughs> Bengals, who knows? Maybe they they fall apart as well. But, yeah, that uh, that, that, worth, that that's worth mentioning. I'll say the Washington Commanders, at least whenever you look at the last 20 years with Dan Snyder. But, again, it goes back to what you said about the ownership. The ownership kind of runs this whole thing. Absolutely. Sam sent us to break. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning. Still a lot of volume of traffic trying to get through downtown Knoxville right now on I-40 East and Westbound here at Hall of Fame as you come past 17th Street. Alcoa Highway has been in pretty good shape, but it's busy northbound. They're up by UT Medical Center. you still got a lot of traffic volume on Alcoa Highway coming up out of Blount County. Hey, over 40 years experience, Omnia Roofing is your Northeast Tennessee premier residential and commercial roofing contractor. Check them out at omniaroofing.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. A brand built in Tennessee and born from the love of the game. Inward Half revolutionizes golfing comfort. Crafted by a former pro and dedicated enthusiast just like you, our luxury performance wear guarantees you stay cool and comfortable through every swing and every day. We're not just a brand. I'd like to apologize to VFL Ernie Grunfeld if he's listening. Uh, I hate that I had to bring him up in terms of train wreck franchises, but for a long time he was a part of that Washington Wizards dumpster fire and got the blame for a lot of it too. But maybe it's just a maybe it goes deeper than him. Maybe it's not just his fault. Going to be joined by Tennessee basketball assistant coach Greg Polinski at the nine o'clock hour as we kind of get uh, his thoughts on the SEC and Tennessee's upcoming opponent and, and kind of scout Tennessee and, and talk to him. I think it's going to be a new weekly segment where we check in and yes. and talk to him. Alabama did Tennessee a favor last night by by beating Auburn. We'll look at some bracketology here in a second. Ball's a two seed in the South. Let's go to the phone lines, 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in this segment. Let's go grab TR. TR, what's up, man? The floor is yours. Hey, good Good morning. A uh, fan run morning show. Good morning. Hey, where's uh? I mean, I, I listen to the the former show, the three and out a lot, and uh, Roberto was like the staple caller. There, there wasn't a lot. It wasn't a really heavy caller driven morning show, which Nate would always allude to. You know, it's you know, it's this is a morning show. You don't get it's you know, you don't get a lot of calls in the morning. But uh, I, I don't know. Is Roberto, has he chimed in since uh, the new uh, takeover? Come on, TR. You can't openly admit you haven't been listening because, yeah, Roberto, he called in 
Was it yesterday? I know he called in Monday. He's called in three or four times. Yeah, he's oh, calling. Oh, okay, man. I'm sorry, man. I I, I must I might have, I might have been doing something else. You know, I, I we, we put I the podcast up. Every podcast goes up. Subscribe on okay, iTunes. I, I, I'm I can't I can't listen uh, throughout. I, I try to I try to as much I'm just as I can. You a hard time. I'm just Especially on days like today, uh, rain may be on the way. But uh, I was just thinking uh, yesterday with uh, Todd Helton's induction to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, a very elite uh, company. You know, like I'm a Dodgers fan, like. Baskerville is, you know, I go way, I go way, way back to the '60s, and like the Dodgers have no uh, regular day, uh, regular day player in the Hall of Fame. They got Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax. I mean, Piazza, he went in. I guess he might have went in as a Met. He's not. He's not a. He didn't affiliate himself as a Dodger going in, but that's who he broke in with. So I, I would, I would attribute. Uh, Piazza as a Dodger, I mean, even though he may not wore the hat that particular day, but I'm thinking like with Helton and Peyton just a few years ago going into the Pro Hall, Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Al Wilson and uh, Eric Berry in the College Football Hall of Fame here of late, and then Tamika Catchings in the Bask uh, Naismith and and. Uh, also, Bernard King went in in 2013, and we got Rick Barnes on the threshold. I would say Tennessee is like uh, maybe they lead they lead in that all all around Hall of Fame category, man. Across the board, we've got several here in the last decade. I would think Tennessee would be way up the if not on the top of the totem pole when it comes to Hall of, Hall of Fame inductees across the board. But, how would y'all assess that? I mean, we have a lot of good talent. We have a lot of good talent in every sport. I don't know if you saw TR, but we are America's college sports city. We are America's college sports city. We are deep, and we have a pretty good tradition. Appreciate the phone call. But, yeah, Helton, the only SEC player other than Frank Thomas to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. We have maybe... You, you can make the case in a couple of sports that, I mean, Tennessee maybe has the greatest player at their position in a couple of sports. I mean, like, you could tell me that Peyton Manning is the greatest quarterback of all time, and you're not going to get a lot of blowback from too many people. You know, they'll, they'll talk about Tom Brady and his rings. They cheated to get a lot of them, by the way. But uh, you could also tell me Candace Parker was the greatest women's basketball player since, like, Cheryl Miller, and I wouldn't argue with that. You can tell me that. You can tell me Reggie White was the greatest defensive lineman of all time, and I don't think people would really argue too hard against that. Now you got a baseball Hall of Famer. You got Monica Abbott, great pitcher. Great pitcher. Monica Abbott, that's a pull. Great pitcher. Well, the softball team, I don't know if you saw, number two preseason. Really? Yeah. Number two preseason. So, like, we say we're in everything school, and – Danny said he's he's uh, ponying up for some big expansions. I think to the uh, softball facilities as really? well too. Yeah, he's like we were, used to be on the cutting edge of that, and we've slipped kind of behind in the last couple of years, and we feel like we're an elite enough program where we need to be kind of at the top of that. Well, I saw him kind of say that across the board whenever he's talking about Tennessee raising two hundred million dollars. It's like we got to put all this back in and trying to catch up in facilities. Like yeah. we're, we're falling behind. Basically, said falling behind everywhere. But, like, the other sports deserve money, too. I mean, oh, like, absolutely. when football is good and you're bringing in football money, that's kind of the thought process is that it brings in so much money for the university that it fixes everything. Like, football brings in more students from out of state, brings in more money, and then you could kind of spread it out to the other teams. And right now the other teams are good enough to where if you told me we're investing money in any program, I would be like, okay, that's fine. In the past, you know, some, when the, some of those sports are struggling, you're like, really, you're going to give this this team money? Why? Why? Why are you going to waste it? Football needs it. Football's so broken, it needs it. But now football's good, football's healthy, and every other team deserves to uh, have a chance to compete for a championship because everyone's kind of pulling their weight now. Softball being back to number two is kind of, I don't want to say remarkable because, of course, they had it rolling for a while, you know, a decade ago. But I kind of thought it was over for uh, Karen Weekly. And instead, she, uh, you know, Ralph Ralph left, but she has since kind of turned back into being one of the premier programs in the country. A little under the radar, but I mean, isn't tennis is good here year in year out yeah, too, right? Yeah, tennis, yeah. 
Tennis has been good. Golf's been good. The volleyball team's been better. I mean, it, it yeah. was it was kind of the weak link for a long time in terms of just couldn't get right. But I think they have. I mean, they made the tournament, right? Didn't they make like the Elite Eight or Sweet Sixteen at least? I mean, I, I think, think they, they made a far, yeah, yeah, pretty deep run. Everything seems to kind of be running here. I think our swimming team's pretty solid. Yeah, I think the swimming team's always kind of been solid. Yeah, got a nice, really nice facility. Yeah, I was gonna say they they have been on the cutting edge of facility because I remember when I was in school, like the Olympians would come here and like yeah, they're still doing that. Okay, they're still yeah, doing so that. So I was gonna say I think mm-hmm. that that team's always been kind of good, but yeah, so like Danny putting money back in. It's perfectly fine. Like, I want the track team to get back to being, like, really good. But, of course, you put a couple Olympians in the last, you know, 20 years. You're talking about Hall of Famers. I mean, Justin Gatlin, Mm -hmm. a track. I mean, I don't know if they have a Hall of Fame in track or whatever. But, I mean, when you're an Olympian and a gold medalist and, you know, you've done things in the sport, like, that's that stands out. Christian Coleman, kind of same way. I don't know if you heard, Bob. We're in everything school. We just reinforced that. We did. A lot of facts there. I bet you didn't think I was going to talk women's softball today, did you? I did not. Yeah. I have to say, that's a, that's a little bit of a surprise. You said you got updated bracketology for me? I do. Um, so, Mr. Lenardi, has, uh, he came out, I think, yesterday with the latest, uh, the latest brackets. And uh, Tennessee, it's still true to form. Tennessee is a, a two-seed. Um by the way, in Ken Palm, Tennessee rose to number four after last night's Auburn loss. So they they basically flip-flopped spots. Um, so, yeah, they have Tennessee as a two-seed. Going to Charlotte, you said, right? Going to Charlotte, playing in the south. Uh, you it know. seems like Tennessee's ideal path is Charlotte, Detroit, to Phoenix. I think that's like the closest in proximity regional. So, I mean, I know Memphis has one. So if you get in Memphis in round one and two – it's not the end of the world, but if you're in Knoxville and you, if you're worried about you know campus travel, Charlotte much closer than, than Memphis is. Right. Yeah. So they've got, and if you look at you know you look ahead a little bit, the you know in their cluster that you know they'd be they've they've got Tennessee going against St. Peter's in the first round. Um, they'd play the winner of Michigan State, New Mexico, which could be New Mexico. Mountain West is a tough conference. They got some good teams, but then you look ahead to a two-three matchup potentially, and it's Marquette. Uh, the way they've got it, you know, bracketed out now. North Carolina is the one seed in this uh, in this region, so I, I like those chances. If that were to happen, I'd love to have another shot at North Carolina. Do you find yourself looking at the 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 breakdown in the bracketology, like the matchups and stuff? Oh like yeah, the, the potential opponent. See, I try not to do that because you'll drive yourself crazy because it's going to change so many times. Like at some point in the year, you're going to have have matched up with almost every <laughs> team in the country. Probably true. Like, either as a one seed or two seed, and who you'd potentially play in the second round in Sweet 16. So, like, you'll drive yourself crazy thinking about matchups. So, I, I, I tend not to do that. I, I I keep up with the seeding and, like, the location. And then the opponents, like, you know, that that's going to change. But to me, the seeding and location matter. So, Tennessee has a two seed getting Charlotte. And then, like, I assume that means they're going to be matched up probably with... Houston as a one seed, or who's the no, one no, seed? North Carolina. North Carolina. Oh, okay. North, I, okay, I heard you say North Carolina, but I guess I hadn't wrapped my head around that they're now a one seed, which I guess, I guess makes sense. And they're probably like you had said. We'd been we earlier in the week. We were saying it's kind of projecting out Tennessee's the top rated two seed. That probably makes sense. North Carolina is probably the lowest rated one seed. Yeah, with the with the with the status of the ACC right now, like I don't know if they're going to get caught either. Like I don't know if anybody's going to trip them up. No, I don't. I don't think so. The I ACC mean, sucks. He's. I mentioned this yesterday when we uh, spoke with Chris Dorch. Right now, Lenardi's uh, projecting only three ACC teams to make the tournament: North Carolina, Duke, and Clemson, and that's it. He's got um, on the bubble. He's got Wake Forest as one of the first four out. But yeah, that conference is. Uh, it's uh, seeing some 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 bad days right now uh basketball wise it's not a good season for them um yeah and uh, you know so the usual suspects is number one seeds purdue yukon houston and then north carolina two seeds are kansas wisconsin tennessee and arizona um in this one he had auburn as a three seed um again that probably maybe there's a little slip he had kentucky as a three seed too there's probably a little Potentially slippage, but as you said, it's early, so this is all subject to change. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I. I think that 
you you look at it that way. And then Jerry Palm had Tennessee as a two seed too. His is always lagging in terms of timeliness. His came out a day or two before Lenardi's. But he has them number two in the South as well. In that one, he's got them paired up against Houston as the one seed. That's what I'm telling you. You're going to find every potential matchup possible, and he'll have to play out those permutations and and hypotheticals. So I'm focused on Charlotte and then Detroit, which I can't say I've always wanted to go to Detroit, but if Tennessee is in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, I guess I'm headed to Motown. Yeah, and if you go to Chicago or Chicago to Detroit, you've got to get to Greek Town. They have great food there, and it's right near the the hub of downtown. So there's good parts of Detroit. You got to get through the bad parts first, but yes, I'm gonna go check out Eight Mile, right around there. See where Eminem grew up, and then I'm going to uh, eat some pizza and watch basketball. That's the only thing I'm gonna do. Can't say I've always thought about what I would do in Detroit, but maybe I need to start planning because I do think this team is making the Sweet 16. I do think it's making the Elite Eight, and I hope I hope it is uh, in Detroit. Do you have the other locations pulled up in terms of the other options, in terms of the the, the regional big, finals? The reg- yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, south is Dallas, Midwest is Detroit, uh, West is Los Angeles, and East is Boston. So okay. Boston's not bad either. Boston's a uh, an easy flight if you want to take a flight. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and if it ended up being Dallas, that's a that's an easy flight too. Never been to Dallas either. Ever? Mm-mm. I went the only time I've been to Texas. I went to Texas A and M for big, the football game in 2016. But that's the only time I made it to Texas. Big big city, big city. Um, man, it's like sprawling. And you said the West was what? L A. L A. So, really, Detroit is the worst of those four, probably. But it it's the easiest drive if you're just looking. You can just hit 75 and get straight up and not too bad of a drive, I guess. I love going on the tournament games. I love getting my heart broken. I got, I got a little bit of a problem with that, Bob. Uh, I like going to see all my team play their biggest games, knowing that they're probably going to lose and break my heart at some point. And then I get to, to hate myself and wallow the entire ride back. It's going to be a different season this year, man. Where it really we? could be. We're going to talk with Greg Polinski, Tennessee basketball coach, coming up after the break to kick off the 9 o'clock hour. Don't don't tell him I was talking about heartbreaking losses and stuff like that. Let's focus on that I support the boys and that where they go in the postseason, I follow. That's how I'm going to introduce him. Is yeah. That he's, uh, he's going to have his hands full with you because you don't believe. No, that's not true. That's not true. I believe a lot. Again, I was talking about going to Detroit. Yes. Bleeping Motown, I was, I'm was. i willing to travel to. Motown, the big D. Pause. Hour two in the books. We'll kick off hour three. We'll grab Greg, Greg Polinski, Tennessee basketball coach. Stick with us. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.